Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak on a Fan Friday edition of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. We've got roughly an hour, I'll say roughly an hour to give me a little bit of wiggle room here, of taking your questions. Y'all piled on with the questions, and I, I love you so much for it. We had so many responses on Instagram, on Twitter, in the premium Slack, and so I really appreciate you guys uh, reaching out and trying to get it on the show. We're going to get to as many as we possibly can. There's a lot of questions that have to do with football and some questions, as you all know, that have absolutely nothing to do with football. But before we get into it, Ben, my friend, how are you? Everything is delicious, Trav. It's back on Fan Friday. Got a different song stuck in my head today as opposed to yesterday. So Which song, to show is, it the time Which song is it today? The song that you started singing in the pre-show, okay? Yeah, so this is your fault. Uh, and you can come and get your love whenever you want. Um, here's a question for everybody out there. I'll make, a, um, I'll, make a, I'll make this a little bit interactive with the listeners. You have the next five seconds to say out loud which scene is playing. Not you, Ben, the listeners. In your car or wherever you're listening, you have the next five seconds to say out loud where that song plays in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Okay? I'm going to give you five seconds. That's disappointing. One, two, three, four, five. If you didn't know, shame on you. Let's do a reverse fan Friday where we do this, where we just, we hop on. We ask listeners a bunch of questions, and then we just leave prolonged pauses and, in the middle of the podcast for them to respond. give their answers individually. That'd be hilarious. Uh, we, we will eventually, at some point, you and I do some live podcasts. Oh, a little wow. teaser there, a little announcement there. We're going to get into some live video podcasts, so hopefully people can join us, and Fan Friday can even be more interactive. But that's not this Fan Friday. This Friday is just a regular old audio version. Ben, you ready to get it going? Let's hit it, man. Connor has the first question. He said, here's my Fan Friday question. Stephen A. Smith says he heard a source, source, that the Rams would be interested in trading Jared Goff and picks to Houston for Deshaun Watson. (laughs) I I bet they would. Yeah, I'm sure they would. As a Rams fan, I would love this, but I don't see it happening. My question is, what would it take for L.A. to get Watson from Houston? Oh, man. Everything. I mean, Ramsey and what? Three firsts, two right, firsts. But they're not giving up Ramsey, right? But that's it. Like they, they, the thing is, the thing that makes this damn near impossible for them is you basically have to throw in Ramsey or Donald, right? I mean, like you could go with Goff, I guess, if you want, but they would probably want something a little bit more solidified, and they don't have a first round pick this year. So like that's that's like the that's the baseline of almost every single Deshaun Watson trade. That's why we talk about Miami having a huge advantage because they have number three and they have number eighteen. So you're giving tangible picks that you know the slots to 
to Houston as a hypothetical to get Deshaun Watson back. The Rams don't even have that. They don't they don't even have that ability. So that's why it's like, sure, you can throw Jared Goff in there, but I, you you probably have to throw Ramsey in there too and another first, maybe two firsts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. You've also got a knock 30 mil in dead cap. And I'm not even sure with his guarantees off his deal that Jared Goff is a good uh is a is like w- w- do the Texans like this? Right, Goff's gonna be <laughs> right. It's, it's, they're gonna pay him twenty five million in each of the next two seasons, starting yeah. in twenty twenty. Or excuse me, wait, this is twenty twenty one. Oh frick, they've uh over the cap has moved their little gray bar which shows you the current year, and I'm gonna be fricked for a month. So I'm gonna look at that. <laughs> right, that's twenty twenty, <laughs> and then I'm gonna do all sorts of calculations, and I'm just gonna be wrong every year. This happens, and it's the worst. Okay. Wow, then they really can't trade him because the money's impossible. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is, like, you call Houston, you say, we'll give you Goff. Houston's going to be like, we don't want Goff. Right. this deal with his talent level. That's what makes it so so difficult. You don't even have the good quarterback ass, uh, asset to send back. Right. Which right. really makes things convoluted. Which is, which no, is why the, I threw the, Ramsey The Rams are, are, yeah. Well, I mean, sure, put Ramsey in there. But even then, still, right, you're talking about multiple early picks. Yeah, Oof. it would take it would take Goff, Ramsey, and probably like two firsts. Which at that point, like, <laughs> I guess because it's Deshaun, but it it's not something that Houston would take. It's it's not an advantageous trade. For mm-hmm. I think that there would be better trades out there. How about that? I'll say that. Uh, another Connor, second. Yeah, but Connor. Uh, keep we're, keep we're, dreaming. We're Ram going. Sense. We're going. We're going back to back Connor questions to open up this Fan Friday. Uh, he said, it, well, okay, so Connor observed on my Instagram that I recently got an air fryer. Alyssa and I just got an air fryer. And we were hesitant at first we because we're like, okay, well, what, well, I mean, like, what's so great about an air fryer? Let me tell you, everything is so great about an air fryer. Air fryers uh, are phenomenal. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. How does it, what, how, what is, how, this, what's, what's an oven? So it's basically a, it's, it's like a supercharged convection oven. So it deals okay. with like, if you know the difference between conventional and convectional ovens, conventional yep. ovens have a much more even heat to them because they use fans to push hot air all around the oven um, as opposed to it coming from more of one direction, either at the top or at the bottom. So with a convectional oven, you're getting a much more even heat to whatever you are trying to bake. And in an air fryer, it's that just like, at an accelerated level. It's just like a supercharged, smaller, convectional oven. So it preheats very fast, and it cooks things very fast. And, dude, it's, it's space magic. It's, it's it's phenomenal. We went to it's Mars. Space. We talked to the the aliens. And they're like, yo, check out this air fryer. And we were like, okay, we brought it back, and then here it is. That's how it got here. That's what I'm convinced of how we got in possession of air fryers. I've never eaten anything in my entire life at least wittingly, that was air fried. So I don't even know what, like, I've heard the legends, but I don't even have a way to calibrate to this. You know what I mean? Some legends are told. I think of that every time somebody says the words like legends. I just think of centuries by Fallout Boy. Well, next time you you come to my house, we're just, we're we're exclusively going to air fry things during your entire duration. Air fried. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Air fried. Do not, oh, Oh no. no. Oh no. <laughs> Yo. So it just makes like everything really extremely crispy on the outside then probably, yeah. Like the wings you had. 
I'm going to air fry a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm texting Alyssa right now and apologizing. (laughs) She'll probably be like, yo, throw two of those bad boys in there. (laughs) All right, so this question from Connor was, rank your top three foods that you have air fried. So Ben obviously hasn't air fried anything. So I'm, I'm new to air fry life, so I have a limited amount of things that I can have on this list. But my list so far would be number four. I went in between five and three. I started with four. Chicken thighs, like we do, um, like we were doing chicken thighs the other day. And Lord Almighty, if you do that thing right, it's so crispy on the outside, so juicy on the inside. It's unbelievable. Three, French toast. Alyssa got this idea, I think from TikTok. I'm not sure, but she fired it up a couple days ago. And it's simply just cutting up slices of bread. You know, putting whatever you want to on there, brown sugar, cinnamon, honey, and then you just like leave it in the air fryer and it's just like beautiful French toast. So it's phenomenal. Um, Brie. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Jeez, man. Throw some brie in there and you like wrap it in. Oh, God, I can't remember what exactly she's wrapping. How long have you had this air fryer? It's like like a week, man. (laughs) It's like Alyssa buys these like uh, puff pastries that you get in like the frozen food section. And like you just just wrap the brie in that and then you like cut them off into individual like brie slices and then you you heat them. Oh, man. Phenomenal. And then number one. Oh, man. Number one for me is wings. Number one for me is absolutely the chicken wings because I am a full-time believer in the chicken wings in the air fryer now. So yeah, that's uh that's my list. All right. Well, I I Marathon and I have put like an embargo on buying kitchen appliances. We do not have enough room in our very tiny apartment kitchen for all the things that people bought us for our wedding. Here's but, what you do. Here's what you do. Take I'll all that it. stuff. Throw immediately it throw it out. <laughs> Clear all of that the thing. entire people counter spend space. money on it and they love you and they want you to have it, so destroy it. You should have asked for an air fryer. I wish I'd known then what I know now, which is puff pastry in the freezer aisle, brie, cheese, air fryer. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. All right, next, potentially PBJ. <laughs> next question. Uh, Kevin, this is this is the first of, I think, a couple of questions that we have like this. If the Ravens could pick any player in the draft, except for Trevor Lawrence, who would they pick? I honestly don't know, so I thought I would... Uh, <laughs> I, so I thought, who better to ask than the Wellerman Chorus? Appreciate that. Thank you, Kevin. Um, so we're talking about just objective prospects to teams. Not realistic. Not like, oh, they'd have to jump up to number two or whatever. Think about the draft pool. Think about who's in it. Who would you love to see on the Baltimore Ravens from this class? My guy for the Ravens is Kyle Pitts. And, I, and it's, it's funny because yeah, like, a fun one. I think we've even gotten to the point where it's possible, though I do not think it is likely. Uh, when I look at the Ravens and what they need to spark this passing game, I, I find myself conflicted. Uh, I'd like for a receiver with size to be successful on the outside. They drafted Miles Boykin, they signed Des Bryant, and they haven't really gotten what they wanted out of either setups, right? Uh, Marquise Brown is your primary receiver. Okay, you like speed, like getting vertical, that's fine. It would be nice to be able to have a foil with some size. So you look at that. But then I also look it, into their slot, and I and I see Willie Sneed, and I, I see Mark Andrews, and I wish that I had a good possession receiver. Again, trying to fill in the gaps next to Marquise Brown, a guy who I trust on a, on a three-step slant to pick up five yards for me on third and four, a guy I trust against zone coverage over the middle of the field, make the tough catches. Uh I can two birds and one stone that with Kyle Pitts. I can Is get that a Ravens outside. joke? Two birds? Uh, no, but it can be. Okay. You can make it whatever just, you want. No, I just wanted to check. We can get 
the outside receiver, Darren Waller, right? We get the, the big outside guy. We can play, take him off the line of scrimmage. We can leave Patrick Ricard in. We can leave Mark Andrews in, put Kyle Pitts on the field, line him up against a corner, dominate that matchup. Mm-hmm. Or we can put him in at the line of scrimmage as an actual tight end and then have him release either from the slot or from a flex wide, from a uh, from an H-back alignment, have him release in, into the short area of the field, break quickly, have a big catch radius, make tough catches, uh, and then obviously be successful with the ball in hand as a yak athlete as well. So Kyle Pitt solves a couple of problems for them, which is rare for a receiving sort of a player. So that's it for the Ravens. I had three potential offensive weapon categories for the or, or prospects for the Ravens which would make it a lot of fun Kyle Pitts is one of them Jamar Chase is another one because it gives them a, a certified number one stud wide receiver and then of course like Jalen Waddle is the other one that would be hilarious you know you've got right. Lamar Lamar Jackson Jalen Waddle and Marquise Brown speed on the field it's like there's no defense in the NFL that can keep up with right. all three of those guys uh but I the thought o- about Kadarius oh that would Kadarius would yeah. objectively also be hilarious the other one right. that I came up with just because it made me smile is Penny Sewell just putting Penny Sewell somewhere on the offensive line. Like whether you want to put him at right tackle right. or whether you want to just like make him a left guard or like something, just making that sure. Ravens offensive well, line even more dominant. Right. That's why they're, they're such a good spot for Landon Dickerson in round two. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Right. Because it's just, it's that size, right? You even take Deontay Brown from the interior Absolutely of that offensive line as well. Young Blastoise, uh, 100%. <laughs> you call him Blastoise? Yeah, I saw that from Dalton Miller. Shout out Dalton Miller. I don't know if he was the first no, one to say wait it. Wait a minute. But yeah, somebody somebody pointed yeah. out that that you know that picture that's going around Twitter where it's yes, like Deontay, no, but he's huge because he's like a little bit hunched over. Yeah, yeah, young Blastoise out here. That's the comp. Oh my! And I'm sticking goodness. with it. Um, <laughs> next question. The ideal male body. You may not look like it, but this is what peak <laughs> performance looks like. And there's a comment underneath it. It says he looks like Blastoise. <laughs> oh, I want to get robbed. Just give him hydro pumps <laughs> in the back. <laughs> no, somebody somebody did like a, a very quick Photoshop job of it. But I really do. Yeah, I want to I want to tell Rob, hey, we need the we need Blastoise. We need him, but with the shell and the and the. Oh. The cannons on the back. That'd be awesome. awesome. Some people, please. Okay, if you're listening to this and you want this to happen, just spam the Draft Network's Twitter account. (laughs) Say we need a Deontay. (laughs) We need a Deontay Brown Blastoise shell swap. That's what we need. Tell them that. Don't tell them who sent you. Don't tell them whose idea this is. (laughs) Claim complete ignorance. I've never listened to a Draft Network podcast. Photoshop. And by the way, Deontay Brown now officially Thick Boy of the Week. Yeah, this is. Full compliment. This is praise. Oh yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally, yeah. I've never been so happy about a person in my life. I've wanted to look like Blastoise since I was very young. So this is me vicariously living through Deontay. You know, I I heard this. I don't know if it's a hundred percent true, but you know how Deontay Brown got that big, like got to look like Blastoise. How's that? A built bar protein bars. Wow. He, he just, he, it's he, funny because his nickname in the Alabama locker room is Cornbread, which is a reference to built bar. Protein bars. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Obviously. everything comes back to Built Bar protein bars. Folks, whether you're trying to gain weight and look like a Blastoise replica, or if you're trying to get in shape, hit certain New Year's goals, whatever you're looking for, I guarantee that Built Bar can help you out. They're the best tasting protein bars on the planet, but better than that, they're also fantastic for your diet. They've got 18 amazing flavors, six brand new ones, but... These bars are low in calories, low in sugar, but also very high in protein and high in fiber. So you can eat them 
before or after a workout, as a meal replacement, whatever you want. You can throw them into your diet in a lot of different ways, and it's going to be great for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no spaces, Locked On, and you will get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off over at BuiltBar.com. Next question, Alex. He asked, um, match the best five coaches with WWE entrances, for example, Mike Vrabel with the Stone Cold Steve Austin entrance. You weren't a big wrestling guy, right, Ben? No, I I looked up a couple of entrances, so I have like two or three matches, but I really did not know what I was dealing with. Okay, I would be very interested to hear I'm leaning for you on this one. Okay, all right. So do you want to go first or you want me to go first? So okay, so there's the Mike Vrabel one, mm-hmm. right? Which is I think is the 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 Steve Austin one. The that seems crazy. It seems good. Yes. Uh, the Undertaker one with the bell, and then it gets freaky. Yes. And it's like yes. It's it's like uh, it gets dark. That's obviously Bill Belichick. Oh, right? like that's, that's a be. good one. That's a right? good because one because he's scary. Um, Hulk Hogan. I feel okay. like there was. Uh, but that right. That's just like straight kind of crazy energy. That gave me some John Gruden vibes. Uh, I don't know if Hulk Hogan is in a. Is there a name for that entrance? I'm just naming them after the people I looked up. No, I mean like that's that I that's I would just call it that. Yeah, it, I mean it has probably right, a name uh, for the song, but I don't I don't know the name. Okay, and then uh, I also watched Triple H, who is a very <laughs> terrifying young man, uh, <laughs> and he's. He, he gave me like Sean McVay vibes, right? Like McVay always like walking around in like the the light tees, making it very clear that he's super jacked. Uh, like the the it's time to play the game thing. Like, yeah, he like, reminded me of McVay <laughs> running out the tunnel. So those are mine, uh, and I hope that I didn't completely step on my own feet. But I watched more WWE today than I've watched pre- in many uh, many years before. No, I love that. I, I really do love that. If I had a Triple H one, I probably oh, would have said Andy Reid, just because he'd walk in and it's basically like, what kind <laughs> of offensive wizardry and am I going to make your life miserable with today? And that's when the time to play the game would be awesome. The other ones that I happen to write down uh, for Cliff Kingsbury. I have Edge's entrance because it's extremely energetic. He's jumping around the stage. There's fireworks involved. I think that that's it. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I have his Vince McMahon's because it's you know centered around, of course, telling people that they're fired and being a um, aggro kind of a boss. So I thought okay. that that one actually uh, did pretty well. Mike Vrabel, I actually did not have a Stone Cold Steve Austin. I had him for Brock Lesnar's entrance. So anybody that knows Lesnar's entrance knows that if you just see Vrabel like entrance. saunter out of the locker room with that entrance. I mean, I think that oh that's pretty gosh, appropriate. This guy's enormous. You've never seen Brock Lesnar These before? Guys are... I know the name, but I, I don't really think I would be able to pull his wow. Okay, his uh, his image out of my head. But this guy's gigantic. Early two thousands Brock Lesnar was some of my favorite WWE as a kid growing up. Um, for Stone Cold's entrances entrance, I actually have John Gruden. Um, just because I, I wanted to try to think outside the box a little bit. And then for Bill Belichick, I have The Rock, just because of The Rock's entrance, of course, is just that very loud, if you smell, and then it, you know, it's it, immediate energy, and like you know exactly who it is, and it's so iconic, and then it's just Bill Belichick walking out of the tunnel. Like, I think, I, I thought that one was... The, the, the dissonance is there, what you're looking for? Is the what? Or do you think it really is? 
Like, is it because, like, it's so dramatic and then Belichick... I'm envisioning Belichick walking out of the tunnel like that one gif of him refusing to high-five somebody. You know what I mean? Like, that's my problem um, with any, like, big Bill Belichick entrance is I feel like he would just, like, you know, shamble on out and like, well, doing it's, this it, again. And then, like, the crowd would be like, yeah! And Belichick would be like, shut up, I'm bored. It's hard to pin anything too much to Belichick because, of course, part of your job as a WWE, WWF superstar is to be energetic and get people pumped up, which is extremely not Belichick, you know? So it's a little bit of a stretch, but I had to pick an iconic one for Belichick. So instead of Stone Cold, or uh, I went, I went with The Rock, and I was pretty happy with that one. Um, Aaliyah asked this question. She said, "What is the best gift that you have received from a significant other, and vice versa?" Hmm. All right. So I've got, all right, I've got two two answers. One actual, one not actual, but funny. Okay. Uh, this year, Mary got me a, a really nice, cool fishing backpack uh, for when I when I go on my fishing trips. And I'm very excited about because nice. the main thing with this is like it's one of like I would go to sporting goods stores and I would look at every single fishing backpack and I'd be like, this one is so cool because it has rod holders. This one's so cool because it has a tackle box pocket. I would get like super nerdy and excited. And then I would look at the price tag. I would gag and then I would walk away. Right. It's one of those things that you do where you like get very excited to go look at it knowing in the back of your head that you're never going to buy it for yourself because it's too expensive. And then you just kind of like look at it for the fun of it and then you go buy what you actually came for. Uh, and so that was very exciting because that's like the best sort of a gift is that sort of thing that you want, but it's just the price tag. And somebody else like, oh, I love you enough for this. Uh, so that was awesome. That was this year. I was very happy about that. Last year at Christmas, Meredith got me a Chrissy Teigen cookbook and I don't cook. Meredith cooks. And Meredith's like, I love cooking. And so she's mm-hmm. like, you know what Ben would probably love? Cooking with me. And I opened the cookbook. And I didn't do a, a, a great job at the, this is not really a gift that I want, but I'll pretend I really like it play. Uh, so she kind of got a vibe where I was like, oh, cookbook, yay. You know, it was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and then she was like, well, no, it's good. We can cook together. And, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I asked, <laughs> and this was a bad thing to ask, who is Chrissy Teigen? Oh, boy. Uh, because I did not know who this person was. That's And very, that was any, when Mary was Any really allies like, of the oh. pod were probably not shocked about that. Yes. So that was when Mary was like, oh, wow. Like, I really whiffed with this one. Because I could have I could have pulled off like, oh, yay, cookbook. But then when I was like, also, I don't know who this person on the mm. cover is. And uh, didn't know how to say her name. Then Mary was like, oh, wow, this is not great. So that was, she all year long, I've been like, hey, uh, if you could just get me the follow-up Chrissy Teigen cookbook, she's like, all right, shut up. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sorry. Uh, so no, she knocked out of the park this year. But yeah, I uh, that cookbook sits on our, our counter. Yes. And I think we make a minestrone recipe out of it. It's pretty good. And that's about it. Okay. Uh, the best gift that Alyssa has ever gotten me is where I am currently sitting as we record this. Uh, she redid oh, wow. yeah, my entire office without me knowing. And Alyssa is very into like home decor and, and just she has such a great eye for making rooms come to life and making them look good and giving them a mood. I mean, she's, she has such a talent for it. And she designed every single room in where we live now other than my office she's like i want that to be yours like you could do whatever you want with it i'm not gonna mess with it that could be your place and i was like okay thank you i respect that but 
I work so much, I never have, like, time to devote to, like, oh, yeah, like, let's paint the room today or something. It's just, like, it just doesn't exist. And so I don't have a lot of time to devote to figuring out things that I want or how I wanted to change the room or blah, blah, blah. And uh, I came home after seeing my family about a, a month ago. I saw them early for Christmas for a few days. And when I came home, there was a little note on the door and it was kind of like, a, don't open the door yet, read the note. And it was kind of like a Christmas note that it was like, this is an early Christmas present to you, blah, blah, blah. And she also said before you open the door, she was like, if you if you hate it, I'm sorry, we could totally repaint it. And I opened it and it was just this beautiful, completely changed office with shelves and an entertainment center and rearranging how the desk looked and an accent wall in the back. And it was just, I, I was just, I was blown away at the, time and thought that went into her getting me that gift and so that was that's without a doubt the best gift that I have if you guys watch any of the live stream drafts that I do for the draft network you will see my backdrop is this office and it looks incredible so that's for sure the best gift that uh that Alyssa's ever gotten me I don't want to I have no idea what the best gift that I've ever gotten her she would have to she would have to answer that herself Joe asked this question I'm an avid follower of football and the draft and I make my own mock drafts and everything. I'm wondering how you guys got to where you were. I'm trying to get into the industry somehow, but I don't know where to start. So this is a question that we get quite often. And even though we've answered it before, I'm always down to answer it again every now and then. Just from me personally, certainly you have to have an interest in in all of this, you have to have a passion for it. And that passion has to drive you to consistently want to be better, to consistently want to know more, to learn other things, to understand what you're talking about more and more and more, because there is just so much that goes into football. Yes, it can be simple in certain ways, but there are details and complexities that of course go into it that you're always learning. And and you have to have a passion that will continue to make you stretch to go find out more, to learn more and have to expand your knowledge. But I would also tell you that when it comes to breaking into this industry to potentially do it as a part-time or full-time career, networking. Networking, just like everything else in life, is so, so, so important. It is who you know. It is about the hands that you shake. Well, I guess you know not as much anymore with COVID. But it is about the people that you get to meet, the connections that you make in You never know who is going to hold that next job for you. I've been working in sports for, wow, almost five years now. And I will tell you, there is no full-time job that I have had in this industry that I have ever applied for. It was all connections that I had through people. It was all conversations like that. And it's just getting to know people, being friendly, being kind, going out of your way, all that kinds of stuff, that just means the world. And and not only do you make a lot of really, really great friends in the process, but that's, I fully believe, how you are going to um, make your way, find a path, and break into this business if you want to. Yeah, so you've been, all right, it's been five years for you. Mm-hmm. I've been in the field for like three or four years. I'm working full-time for two as of last August, uh, same for me. I've never applied for a job. Uh, I started writing at a, a fan sided account for the Eagles. I was told to get a Twitter, got a Twitter. And then I would just sit in my dorm room watching the games. I was already watching, reading the articles I was already reading and then just writing and sharing my opinion and then engaging with people on Twitter when that opinion was shared. And, and through that you, you generate X big of a following continue to do better work 
learn more information, right? Engage with more people, learn more things about the game, and that improves the way that you write, which improves how much you get read, which improves how many people follow you. And that was the model for me. I don't know. Like, it, that's how I got my start. If the question is that, there's the answer. If the question is, what's the model? Not that. Because that's hard. <laughs> and, and and it doesn't work. That's a very competitive field is a lot of people trying to do that and i'm not sure it it has a very high success rate there's a lot of other factors that go into it right like i i I hesitate to say i i succeeded this way and thereby i think it is the path to success if i could go back and go to a school with a media focus i would because there's so much i don't know and there's so many skills i lack because i did not go to school for anything in media and even when i knew i was going to pivot my career path to media there was nothing at my university there was no real uh, uh classes or anything like that technical skills uh to go that direction so i've kind of all been making it up as i go and so the 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 umbrella advice i give to everybody because i think a lot of people ask this question at a lot of different life stages and and, and such you if you're not reading one article a day that's like like heavy it takes work it's it takes attention to read and if you're not reading it with attention right you should be reading it to understand why the author's doing what they're doing understanding how they got there you know the concepts that they're trying to talk about if it's x's Mm -hmm. and o's or the the techniques that they're using if it's feature writing or the significance of the quotes and of the reporting if it's sourced you got to be doing that every single day one a day at least and you you've got to be exposing yourself to the field and when you like why something if you like something that you read and you thought it was good you got to be able to say why and you and you have to try to implement that in what you do. So you got to write every day and read every day. Yeah. And at the very least, you're going to get that skill. And that's like you said, networking is everything. And it is. But that skill is at the core. Right. Of so course. When you have that right. skill, then you build your network out. Yeah. So that's that's I don't know. Like I, I I'm working this job now. I, I love this job. I work with Bleeding Green. I love that job. I feel like I do both of them well. And the first thing I do every day is I try to find something that Shil Kapadia wrote so I can read it. I try to find something that Ted Nguyen wrote so I can read it. Mm-hmm. I try to find something that, that Mina Kimes wrote, that Matt Bowen wrote so I can read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that way I can I can look at it and I can say, like, right. this is what the top guys are doing. Yeah. And I got to continue to figure out how to do that well. Yeah, it, there, there's there's so much that goes into it. So yeah, basically it. read everything I write, son. No. <laughs> Every single publish I put out, boy. There's, on, there's... The moment, turn notifications on, man. Click that bell. Okay, sorry. <laughs> No, you're good. That was good. I'm glad that you got that in there. Trigger those notifications. So yeah, I, there's like Ben said, everyone has a different path. There there is no cookie cutter. If you do this, then this will happen. It's hard work. It's meeting people. It's timing. It's passion. It's all of those things. And really, I, I always tell people start writing if you want to get into this. Just start writing about the things you want to write about. If it's a certain team. Great, like start writing about that certain team. And even if there aren't a lot of people that are following it at the time, which there there's plenty of outlets I think that are out there there that you could reach out to and even work for just a little bit of money or sometimes it's, it, it takes working for free to get your, your, your foot in the door. But there's all kinds of opportunities out there for you. And I would tell you to make sure that you're always honing in on your craft. Make sure that it's something you love, especially if you're, you're new at it, if it's a – team that you want to cover, if it's a certain position that you want to cover, if it's a certain angle, if it's college football, if it's NFL, if it's the draft, whatever it is, make sure that whatever you're starting with is the thing that you are most passionate with because that will drive you to continue to want to know more about it and do what Ben said. Seek out people who are really smart and who are already entrenched in the industry and try to replicate some of the things that they do while also putting your own flair on it and making it personal. And so that there's 
There are so many, I think, words of advice that we could give, but at the end of the day, everyone's path is so different. And so that's why it's it's hard to answer that question in a certain way, but it's also an exciting way to know that you can carve out your own journey in this industry. And so I, that's what I would tell everybody. Start with something you love and, and go from there. Eli asked this question out of nowhere. Have no idea where he got it from. He said, hypothetically, if the 2019 LSU team were to play the 2020 Alabama team, who would win and how close would it be? Okay, so I wrote about this after the natty. Yeah, it was trash. And I went position... What? <laughs> You're so Excuse caught you? off guard with that. No, it was good, man. I, think, I didn't even have a take yet. I was like, <laughs> all I did was I wrote about it after the natty. And you were like, yeah, and it was garbage. No, keep going. I'm going to go after the Natty. Uh, for for perspective, uh, the the Tigers of 2019, LSU, uh, 7.9 yards a play, 48.4 points per game. Uh, that Compare that to 7.7 yards per play and 48.5 points per game for the Alabama offense of 2020. Uh, 10.6 yards per pass for Joe Burrow, 11.0 yards per pass for Mac Jones. Uh, so largely statistically equivalent and and at the time lsu's offense was like statistically exceptional and now i think alabama matched them punch for punch so you say okay uh what would how would they match up like what you know people like want to talk about like is this the best offense of all time i really don't know like i think they're basically the same how would they match up how would mm-hmm. the two teams play at each other i gave the i went position by position i gave the edge at quarterback at linebacker and at defensive back to the tigers i think that with patrick queen jacob phillips michael divinity on the field against dylan moses and christian harris i liked lsu and then with that secondary which was the secondary was the trickiest uh derek singley christian fulton uh as your corners instead of josh joby and patrick sertan i thought was the edge uh and then i think that with Grant Delpit, Kerry Vincent, and even Jacoby Stevens, who's like kind of a linebacker. Uh, the, the Bama safety room is so young, so we don't really know for sure exactly where they're going to be, for what, but what they were right now in 2020, I thought LSU was better. I gave Alabama the advantage in both trenches, offensive line and defensive line, mm. uh, and at running back. Running back Najee Harris simply did what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did uh, production-wise, but at his size, uh, is a more punishing player to deal with. You know what I mean? Like over the course of a season, he did have more volume as well. And then offensive line for, for Alabama, they've got first round picks. LSU didn't have first round picks in that offensive line. And then a defensive line, uh, each had a, a young star, Caleb on chasing and Christian Barmore. Um, but the depth, Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, Fedarian Mathis, LeBron Ray, uh, was the advantage to Alabama. And then I pushed at wide receiver and tight end because, I mean, screw me. Like, I don't like what are you talking about, how I'm supposed to tell who these guys are a part. Right. This is ludicrous. Right. Uh, and then coaching as well. So three advantages to LSU, three uh, advantages for Alabama. And then I pushed it on another three. So that didn't help at all. Uh, and eventually I ended up saying it's going to be an extremely high scoring game. They were it was 46 to 41 when 2019 LSU played 2019 Alabama. That was with the banged up to. And I think that, you know, uh, this Alabama team is probably a little bit better on offense and a little bit worse on defense. So I still think it would be LSU. I would expect over 50 points scored for both teams. Uh, and I think it would be uproarious fun and it would come down to the last possession. I'll edge the Tigers, but you could sway me off that pretty easily. I, I think I would take 2019's LSU team as well, especially if, you know, like I, I'm talking about in a vacuum, we're getting the 2020 Alabama team. Also, obviously, I'm saying fully healthy, but like we're getting the 2020 Alabama team at the end of the year this year versus 
LSU fully healthy at the end of their year last year. And I just, I still don't, I'm still not convinced that even this Alabama team beats that 2019 LSU team. I I would still, if I had to sit here and say, who do you think wins that game? I would tell you LSU. And you did a good job of obviously breaking down the positions because I agree with you. I think that Alabama's got them in the trenches on both sides. I think that LSU's got them on the back end on defense. Um, Najee, I'd take over Clyde Edwards-Elair. Burrow, I would take over Mac Jones. The wide receivers are just an embarrassment of talent on both sides of the ball, so it doesn't really matter there. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think that I don't think this game ends in the 50s for both teams, but I, I think that it would end in the 40s, similar to what it was last year. And But I, I do agree with you. I think that LSU wins. Somebody else asked, just to throw it in there, just for fun, triple threat, throw 2018 Clemson in there. 2018 Clemson is... Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro, Travis Etienne off of his incredible year. Um, defense, they've got Isaiah Simmons, Cleveland Farrell, A.J. Terrell, Christian Wilkins, Austin Bryant, Dexter Lawrence. So they've got all those guys there. Um, does this change you at all? I, I think that... Okay, Vaughn. Huh? I'm looking. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm talking to myself, sorry. I, I don't think 2018 mm. Clemson beats 2019 LSU. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think so either. I think I'm trying to remember where this offensive line was. Carmen, McFadden. Yeah, I don't think so. I just think a very Tigers, good team. The LSU Tigers. Yeah, I think that the, there's the firepower difference is notable for the 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama. Hypothetically, if this 2019 LSU team and this 2020 Alabama team faced off, and you thought you knew who was going to win the game. I guarantee that betonline.ag would oh, have something okay. on it because there's only one that place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account over at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On, all caps, one word, Locked On, for your 50% welcome bonus, whether it's NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, whatever it is. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Tyler asked thoughts on Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville there are rumors at this point but as this podcast releases it could be actually a fact because we were told it's probably going to happen he said I'm torn right. because he has no NFL experience and his tenures haven't ended well but I don't want to overthink the quote he's just a damn good football coach part of it yeah I struggle with this uh, I don't see the risk reward balancing out I think when you bring in a college coach to coach in the NFL for the first time, no matter how much certainty you have and how well he coached at the college level and make no bones about it, Urban Meyer coached very good football teams at the college level. That leap is tough. And obviously I think Urban, especially being hired before the Jaguars have made a general manager hire, is likely to be a guy who wants full control over his roster and he's going to run up to uh, the problems in the NFL level of a salary cap and a free agency where you're not you're not recruiting, you know what I mean? It's certainly that persuasiveness, selling of your team can help, but only up to a point. Uh, you also don't know to what extent he has great relationships with top agents. I think that yeah, as a college coach, yeah, especially at a program like Ohio State and certainly Florida as well, uh, you develop some relationship with those agents, but 
oftentimes he was working against those agents to try to get players to come back to school and agents were working with those players to try to get them to come out of school. And so you don't really know how well he's going to do in free agency. Uh, him having control over his roster means that he's probably going to make some aggressive decisions uh, to build the team in his image, which we've talked about as dangerous. And then, of course, you have the reality of his health, where Urban Meyer has uh, retired from, co- no, he's left two coaching positions, retired once from coaching, arguing that his health was uh, a contributing factor. And there's no doubt that Urban's health is, 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 is an older coach and he's had health problems. He was hospitalized after a Florida game. Like, that's a real problem. But also, his health has been used to get him out of coaching situations where he made mistakes. Uh, he made bad decisions. He made questionable decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Florida, he had many, many players with with uh, academic problems and with problems with the law. At Ohio State, he had an assistant coach who was involved in domestic violence disputes, and 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 he was comfortable with that idea until it came out. Uh, and then he got out of that situation by retiring and saying that it was his health. And again, I don't want to question a man's health. But it is to say that Urban doesn't have a good track record over the last five, six years. I don't even bring how that. much of a how, but how much of a advantage or do you think you're getting from him as a coach on the football field when you're right. incurring all of this risk on the back end is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, like I all of that certainly goes into it, but not even bringing that into it. A first time NFL head coach is hard. Like you said, like you don't have any connections. I mean, and I mean, I guess for a guy like Urban Meyer, he's been around the coaching circle for a long time. He's interacted with NFL head coaches. He's probably as plugged in as any college lifer going to the NFL as you are you are going to see, right? I mean, like him making that jump, he is around the coaching circle and and he's probably got his connections. But I don't know because it's such a different world dealing with these these fully adult professional athletes or these Younger NCAA athletes, I kind of didn't want to say the word professional there because NCAA athletes are professional athletes, but you know what I mean. It's like a younger culture of players versus grown men, if you will, playing in the NFL. That is different, dealing with the locker room there. Having coaches and having this coaching tree to fill out a coaching staff, not just once, but like when guys leave, when things happen, when stuff is not working out, like all of that I think goes into it as well. I know Urban is a good coach, but in college football, the head coach is the head coach. Like, you are the head of everything. You make the personnel decisions. You make all the coaching staff decisions. You are in charge of recruiting. You go after the guys that you want. In the NFL, there are so many egos, and there are a lot of guys that could potentially be ahead of you. We we mentioned this on a on, on the Philadelphia Eagles team takeover Tuesday this week where it's like, okay, yeah, a head coach isn't exactly the same situation where you have final say. You might be like third on the on the totem pole, right? I mean, like you might be third in the pecking order when it comes to final say on the roster and how you're using money and what guys you want to go after and what's prioritized here and there. And so right. it's just so different. That's all. I, I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Although I will say to your point. Urban at this point and Urban's agent, they know how to manipulate people. They know how to say, wow, look at my guy. Look at Urban Meyer. He's finally making the jump to the NFL. Who wants to be the lucky NFL team to have Urban Meyer grace them with his presence? And he, they probably have done a phenomenal job of selling Urban Meyer regardless of the fact that he's never coached in the NFL before to NFL teams. Maybe it's all BS. I I don't know. Right. This is a this is a huge risk though. The Jacksonville Jaguars really lucked into the fact that they now have the chance to draft Trevor Lawrence, and they are playing with fire, bringing in a guy who is 
zero proven NFL background. And so they're hoping they hit a home run, but they are swinging for the fences. And when you swing for the fences, if you make contact, you can go out, but there's a chance that you don't make contact at all and you just strike out swinging. A little baseball analogy for you guys there. Um, wow, cross sport. Here we go. <laughs> Mark said, congratulations. You two have been chosen to set up a dinner party for each other. You can invite one NFL player, one Marvel character, and one Game of Thrones character. Who would you invite for each other and why? All right. It is dinner party for Trev. Yeah. Obviously, then, Thor from Marvel. That's locked in. Appreciate it. The aesthetics, number one, give me great <laughs> photos for the gram. Number two, I feel like as long as like Chris Hemsworth in his Thor vibe, he'd be a fun time. I guess if he's also in his Australian vibe, he'd be a fun time, but whatever. Uh, Game of Thrones, Tormund Giants Bane. We've already talked about this. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> We've discussed this on a previous, right, exactly. And I feel like with Thor, it'd be a good like, revelry times. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like they'd, they'd go at it, and that would be fun. Sure. I did struggle with NFL player. I thought about this one because like, I, there's obviously some some Tampa Bay greats that I'm sure that you would enjoy having in. There's obviously players that we've discussed uh, loving on this podcast individually. I, ta- I thought about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Florida great for a long, long, long time. Um, because of, like just of, of our, our relationship with them on the podcast and how much fun that's been and everything like that. So I decided to go with uh, Bucks Legend uh, because I thought that like, you know, it, it it's – it's not with like the Thor Tormund vibe, but it's still good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Warren Sapp. I think that okay. Warren Sapp would be a fun. Now, I want Bucks era playing football Warren Sapp. I don't want current Warren Sapp. That's the problem. I think if I'm if I'm doing this and I'm pulling fictional characters, mm-hmm. I can also pull Warren Sapp out of time and bring him in from like when he was, you know. Uh, playing it when he was Hall of Famer when it was fun and not current era Warren Sapp. If not, I'll take John Lynch because I think also be fun because he's a general manager and you can have that conversation. Ah, but I land yes. on Warren. No, that's good. No, that's very good. Um, all right, so I had some I had some different options, some fun options. The one that I was pretty firm on with Marvel, if you wanted... Uh, so there's a couple ways I could have gone about this. Cap is the name that I have down here. So you getting to sit down, Cap being at the table, but I also thought Tom Holland... Yeah, because that would also be a funny connection. Oh yeah, because right. People said that you <laughs> look like Tom Holland. Similar, before. Just for the uh, so Game the of Thrones, yeah. Game of Thrones. I also have potentially Bran because it would just be you staring at Bran the whole time and being like, "I don't look like you," just like randomly, just like yelling at him. <laughs> if you brought in Tom Holland and Bran, I would be so self conscious. I would just be like looking at one, looking at the other, looking at one, looking at the other. That's actually really funny. But like the other, the more serious one, I feel like you having a conversation with Tyrion would be extremely engaging in one way or the other. Like, I feel like you and Tyrion would actually hit it off. And then the NFL player, uh, if I wanted to go with an Eagles player, I would have gone with Chris Long. I feel like that's appropriate because Chris Long's yes. awesome. And if I would love an opportunity to apologize for Chris Long in person for one time questioning how he played a speed option against the Dallas Cowboys on third and one. And then he found it on Twitter and he got upset with I anyway, it doesn't matter. And then if the, if I went with a non-Eagles <laughs> player, I went with Chauncey Garner-Johnson because you would just sit there and giggle you the did? whole time of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of See? him just absolutely talking shit at the other two guys that were at the table. I like that we both thought about Chauncey. Chauncey would because literally think about thing. fighting Chris Evans, Captain America. He'd, he right. would just like here's challenge the, him at the dinner table. Here's the thing. like If you told me like I could get an entire dinner with like insert NFL player here, or I could get Chauncey, for just long enough to ask and answer the question, what do you honestly think of Michael Thomas? 
I would probably take Chauncey and then I'll just eat dinner alone for the rest of the and just think about what he said, slant boy. Like that's just I would that would that would be acceptable to me. Uh, Gage asks this one, due to the success of Ben's movies, Rock Auto wants to make a new feature film featuring the entire TDN staff. What is everyone's car of choice and what do they bring to the team? Okay, so I don't know cars at all, which Great. obviously I know cars extremely well because of rockauto.com. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, so I just I simply filled out the roles we would fill on the uh the the uh like the car heist team, right? right. If we're doing like fashion. I, I don't periods, I don't really right? have that's, roles. That's, that... I just have the cars and I let you think whatever the roles are. So this is good. Oh, okay, this works. Okay. So me- megalomaniac planner right page page is our ceo page okay. in charge had okay. to be done makes okay. sense uh hot hothead driver i have both you and kyle you've you, I, i've been picked up by both you and kyle in your respective cars and both of you have like cars that like i don't really know how they work but i'm like these are nice cars those make sense and i feel like also both of you guys would be like you know manual shift you know looking out the window sort of stuff so you guys are our hothead drivers <laughs> okay okay uh, i will be the safe tech guy at home base, I will be ludicrous. Your guy in the chair. Your guy Thank in the chair. Yes, obviously ludicrous ends up driving for most of the thing as well. But ludicrous opens up as the nerdy guy, so I will be him. Uh, Jordan, I just have to have Tyrese question mark because I don't really like this. Is he, he's comic relief? I guess uh, if I'm like trying to go one to one to the, the Fast and Furious Jack, crew, so I guess right. And he's jacked. I also feel like Jordan would be a good like moral compass for the group, which. I, w- I don't know if Tyrese doesn't really probably like more like Letty fills that role. Um, but like Jordan would be the good like, hey, guys, I feel like what we're talking about is unreasonable. We shouldn't be pulling a safe completely out of a police station and driving down with it the Brazil highways. Uh, so Jordan, and I have down Tyrese slash moral compass. Joe is the muscle. Mm-hmm. That's a given. Right. Mm-hmm. I also have Rob down as muscle muscle slash aesthetics. I don't know if you have to paint cars, but I feel like Rob would be in charge of that as mm-hmm. well. So that's my Fast and Furious team. Uh, I just have the cars. So. They get progressively fun as we go on. Joe, he's the 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 sick giant truck guy, like just giant truck souped up. Sure, you know that thought that 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 fit Joe. Paige has a Lambo, just like a slick, extremely fast Lambo. Kyle has. Have you ever, have you seen the new Broncos, like the new remake Broncos? Kyle has like the most souped up version of the new Broncos. That's what I have for Kyle. Ben, new Ford Bronco. Hello. So for Ben. I have Ben gets a Mini Cooper from the Italian job, which is like a souped up Mini yeah. Cooper. However, that is. however, it's also him and Mark Wahlberg who also has a Mini Cooper. And you guys are like, uh, you always come in twos like uh, Ice Climbers from Super Smash Brothers Melee. Like it's just when you pick that one character, it's actually two. So like you guys that are like a package deal. Reference. Wait, we can't just see that. Like ice climbers from Melee, man. That was a deep cut. Like that one dawned on me slowly. And by the time I fully realized what you said, I was like, wow. That hit 12-year-old Ben directly in the chest. Every Super Smash Brothers I- Melee matchup always came down to like, oh yeah, I'll whoop your ass with ice climbers. And it's like, all right, bet, pick your best character. And so then it's just like the best character versus ice climbers. And you beat somebody with ice climbers, then like that was it. That was, that was done. I'm more fun Googling ice climbers Melee right now. Okay, go ahead. Uh, mine is a Nissan GTR that turns into a Zoid. Anybody who out there has seen Zoids, what's up? Shout out. Jordan. Has an Audi R8 that turns into a Transformer. Anybody that's seen Transformers out there, what's up? Shout out. And then Dre has a new Corvette, but 
Juju is always the passenger because he dances to that Corvette Corvette song. So Juju just comes along like he's just like an add-on there. So he's always in the passenger seat. And then Rob is the mechanic. Like Rob's just like big mechanic guy. There you I go. I feel like Rob would rock like a, like a greasy cutoff. I mean, Rob's constantly wearing like the the t-shirts that have been like ripped up and like the sleeves are off and whatever. Yeah, Rob's I feel just like, like, rock, like wife beater, hair slicked back, yeah, holding the exactly. wrench. You know. Right, I get 100% vision. Rob, like leaning against the toolbox, and like clicking his tongue discontentedly, being like, "Yeah, this is gonna run you. Yeah, this is really gonna cost you. If you had just hit it, you know, like yeah, I, that's Rob vibes." Uh, okay, Chris Christian asked this one. Sorry, Christian, not Chris Christian. If you could pick any prospect for all 32 NFL teams in order, what would they be? Definitely not a time-friendly friendly one for Fan Friday. So we adjusted this one, and instead, I asked Ben to do his top five. So we just like picked five teams and five prospects for it's a similar thing to what we did before with the Ravens where it's just like take a prospect that you would just love to see on any other team right so yeah so I have Kyle Pitts and the Ravens down as one of mine which we talked about earlier but I have five others uh Jalen Waddles to the Chiefs I feel no need to explain myself oh, wow. uh Michael Parsons to Denver really have been impressed with linebackers under Vic Fangio and the way that he has set up defenses, but also taught his linebackers and developed his linebackers at a very high level. Parsons being able to win as a full-time off-ball linebacker is conditional on some development in the league. And I think that you get that from Vic Fangio. So it's a great spot for him, great spot for the Broncos who need that role. Bang. Najee Harris to the Dolphins. Love it for the fit with Miles Gaskin. Love it for the identity with that offensive line. Robert Hunt, Solly Kindley. That's a bruising offensive line right now. Love it for the Tua connection. Uh, pass catching ability as well for a quarterback who loves to check down. Najee Harris to the Dolphins makes too much sense. Also, another running back one. Javonta Williams uh, to Pittsburgh is to me hilarious okay. because with James Conner and with Benny Snell, the picks they've made recently, it's clear that they want to be physical. And just with with Conner, they've had injury and then Snell just does not have the athleticism. Uh, I think for the league that you want. I remember one time we argued about Snell on this. Maybe it was this podcast. Maybe it was something else. But you were like, oh, I love Benny Snell. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But anyway, Javonta. Yeah. And then you shouted Pittsburgh, out his right? his uh, his his mouthpiece. So you became a fan. Yes. Tremendous mouthpiece. Uh, Javonta is such a is such a Pittsburgh style runner. He's such sure. a physical player. He's so well built. Uh, that division, not for nothing, would then have Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, Javonta Williams, and Joe Mixon as the running backs, which is a ton of fun. Um, but to me, he gives me very Pittsburgh blue collar vibes. So I like that one. And then my extra sixth one is Asante Samuel Jr. to the Patriots because Asante. Samuel. Ah, yes. Well, that's a good one. Um, number one for me, I have Trevor Lawrence yeah, going to Tampa Bay. Everyone suck it. I don't care what you think. Justin Fields going to the San Francisco 49ers, giving a player with Justin Fields tools to a guy like Kyle Shanahan, I feel like could be a blast. I have Devontae Smith going to Green Bay, so it could be Devontae and Devontae, both in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers throwing them the ball. If you misspell my name, spell it D-E-V-O-N-T-A, because that guy's good. What did he say? That was That's, it, right? Yeah, right. That, that was, yeah, that was basically it right there. Number four, I have Penny Sewell going to Indianapolis to play left tackle now that Costanzo is gone. So it could just be Sewell and Quentin Nelson walking into NFL stadiums with the line from Step Brothers. We're here to F poop up just every single week, just the two of them standing next to each other. So that's uh, that's one. And then I have Kyle Pitts to the Dallas Cowboys because that would be effing hilarious. No. Come on, no, dude. No, that no, no. is hilarious. No, Amari Cooper, no, Michael no, Gallup, no, CeeDee no. Lamb, Kyle Pitts. 
Nah, I, nah, I, nah, no, I don't think no. no. It's a, it's a That's good, okay, though. It's a good thing. Thanks that your for opinion. That's it's, fine. it's a good thing that your opinion doesn't matter here. Uh, if you could add one DC comic character to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who would it be? Gambit is the my initial reaction because I love Gambit so much. Uh, it's like he's not. I don't know if he's like famous enough. Like if they're like, oh, and Gambit's in the is. MCU, people are like, right. Oh my god. Uh, did you watch the SM movies? Uh, no, absolutely not. God. Okay, Gambit <laughs> is a. He's, he's a member of the Brotherhood. He's one of the bad guys. Uh, he's a member of the Thieves Guild in the X-Men universe, in the Wolverine universe. Okay. Um, but he ends up being kind of like a, uh, you know, he, he he plays both sides as it benefits him. He's very much so out for himself. Uh, he's His name is Remy Etienne Lebeau. Uh, he's a Frenchman who lives in New Orleans. And he, his, like, his uh, uh, enhancement, right, his power is he, he can add, like, kinetic energy to things. He walks around with a bow staff, and then he throws, like, uh, explosive playing cards at people, and he's like extremely cool and weird. Like his name's Gambit, right? It's like vibes, and he's like, like he's like always like like flirting with Rogue and just like being the man. And it's like Wolverine's like always pissed off at him. He's very charismatic. He's a lot of fun. He's very he's he's got Iron Manny vibes, not okay. like the technology, but like okay. kind of the complex. Uh, so he's 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 a a fan favorite in DC. So the answer is probably like Batman because it's just like the star power, but. I wanted to be Gambit. I had Wonder Woman and Green Lantern on here first, but then I also thought that Batman would be hilarious to add to the MCU, like pre-Tony dying, because then it could just be a money off, you know, like between Batman and Iron Man. Just like, which regular right. ass I feel dude... like a Batman-Iron Man storyline would be hilarious. Yeah, no, I think that it would be as well. Molly asked this question, what's the difference between the skill sets of an offensive tackle versus an offensive guard? Hmm. So, uh... Offensive line, uh, my tackles are potentially going to have an uncovered shoulder, mm-hmm. right? If you think about where the guards lined up, they have the center on the inside of them and the tackles outside of them. The tackle could have a tight end outside of him, but oftentimes doesn't. And accordingly, one of the most dangerous places for the offense is that outside shoulder of the tackle, that left shoulder for left tackle, right shoulder for the right tackle. Yep. From there, really extremely quick edge rushers will come tackles have to get out to that that outside edge rushing path to handle them and then from there edge rushers can go outside and go inside they can go through you and so the most important thing for a tackle is the ability to get back onto that outside edge track and not get beaten on his outside shoulder Mm -hmm. that requires ludicrous athleticism from a player playing at 315 320 pounds length and foot speed is how we typically solve that problem. Ideally, a marriage of the two. It takes foot speed, quickness, explosiveness to get out of your stance into your kick slide and get back to that outside corner to, to stop that edge rusher. And also, if you're long, if you've got 34, 35-inch arms, you've got long legs, you're able to cover more ground with each step. You're able to get outside of your frame and make that contact. So that, for offensive tackle, is what we prioritize. You then look at a guard. A guard doesn't have to worry so much about that outside shoulder rush. And very often, while a tackle is going backwards, setting deep on a kick slide, 54 step or 54 degree drop, vertical drop, two steps, three steps in the kick slide going backwards, a guard will short set. A guard will plant his feet in the ground and try to meet a defensive tackle 
right at the snap, right, right. on the line of scrimmage. He doesn't give up ground nearly as much. And so and, and he, he will, you know, these are generalizations, but not as much. And so this is where you're looking for uh, fire hydrant build. We want a guy to be short and squat. We want him to be able to play with leverage. Yeah. Uh, upfield explosiveness, stepping through his stance to displace players in the running game is important. Guards pull more frequently than tackles, depending on your running scheme, but more frequently than tackles. So you want them to have that straight line forward explosiveness, that hitting power when they come into contact. So for a tackle, I'm looking for length and athletic to get to that outside edge track for a guard i'm looking for a squatty build and stopping power in his hands and then anchoring ability in his legs to take a bull rush on very quickly dead it in the water and never give up ground in the pocket so you're looking at different body prototypes because of the different asks for each position yeah what you're asking each one of them to do within kind of offensive line schemes has to do with like what exact skill sets that you're going to emphasize i mean you mentioned a lot of the important ones there overall athleticism has to exist with any offensive lineman you know like if you're making it to the NFL level, you have to be a good athlete. You you cannot be this like completely poor athlete and make it in the NFL, or at least the, the instances are, are very few and far between. I would agree with a lot of the things that Ben said, but I think what the, the rare parts of what makes a good offensive tackle and offensive tackle is kind of what Ben said. They're getting back into your pass sets, and we're seeing that there are a lot of speed rushers have a lot of high demand on offensive tackles getting out of their stance and kicking back and getting into rush lanes and for that it takes elite footwork and balance like you have to have uniquely elite footwork to stay balanced to get where you need to go that kind of foot speed foot placement that also allows you to the second contact comes you can anchor it you can handle it well and then of course arm arm length means a lot towards that too because you can get locked in with guys that have longer arms and not get straight armed as much and not be helpless as you get pushed back into the pocket and you can't latch on to anything. That's where long arms also come into play because as they make contact, you're able to make contact with them as well. You're able to match their length that they have there. So I would say that certainly you know, baseline athleticism, strength, knowing leverage, understanding technique, all of those things go across the board for offensive linemen. But Ben is right. You have a little bit more help in the middle you can play as more of a phone booth guy if you will which is more short area dominance whereas offensive tackles you have to have that length to you you have to have incredible footwork to be able to get into your pass sets the way the NFL demands and those pass rushers demand and so that's what I would say the the difference just to add on to what Ben said there the difference between offensive tackles and offensive guards uh, a couple more before we get out of here. Uh, what is your favorite go-to food and beverage combo when Josh asked this, said watching hockey, but let's just go sports in general. What's your favorite go-to food and beverage when you're at a game and then when you're at home watching a game? If I'm at home, I want wings. And so I think it's like, I don't, I don't drink anything. Like I don't drink beer and I don't drink soda. And so like, I probably like, if I'm like, they're like, oh, I'm going to get iced tea. Like, that's fun. But usually it's just water mm-hmm. for me. Uh, so if I'm at home, I'm 100% either making or getting wings. And that's the vibes. If I'm at a stadium, I want a ludicrously big hot dog. Man, I man, I want it bad. I just with 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 more things on it than it should have and impossible and inconvenient to eat. And I hope that it's it's a nightmare situation. But that to me is like that. That's every stadium. And it's silly and it's overpriced and it's fun. I don't love like when my hands get super dirty and I can't do anything about them. So like if I'm at home and I'm eating wings or something, then like I'm fine with that because I can like go wash my hands or like I've got an actual napkin that that actually does the job or like if I'm eating nachos because like those are my two favorite things when I'm at home. It's either nachos or wings because those are my favorite kind of like sports watching food. Uh, when I'm at the game, though, like I don't even like chicken tenders. Like chicken, not that they're objectively don't taste good, but 
you have to like hold them in your lap and like you, your hands might get dirty or whatever and you're like trying to like watch a game or like clap or cheer or maybe stand up or something and so when I'm at a game if I if I'm super hungry and I got to have like real food I'll probably just go for like a burger or something but honestly mm-hmm. A giant beer and peanuts is is pretty much just like my vibe. Peanuts is a good one. That's kind of just like what I'm going for to games. I'm normally the kind of person who's like, let's eat either before we go to the stadium or after we go to the stadium because I'm not trying to just like focus right. on food when we get to. I do think that's preferable, right? But if it's like you are getting something at a stadium, which I can't. Oof. Last time I went to a game and sat in the stands was high school, oof. maybe college. I think I went. Maybe I went to. I think I went to a Penn State game my freshman year. But like it's been a while. Since since then, I've been going to games and you're up in the press box. And the answer right. to that is whatever they're serving in the press box, <laughs> which we're eating. Uh, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not. So, you know, it's um, it's kind of it. it, it I, I think generally like eating in stadiums is, is unnecessary and, and doesn't need to be done. But if you're doing it, get a giant hot dog. I, I just think it get messy. You know, sometimes it gets messy. Here's a final question. This one's from Michael. He said the draft is in serious jeopardy and only locked on NFL giraffe can fix it. He made sure to put Hello. the giraffe emoji. Uh, he said, any QB whose teammates don't go to their birthday party is inherently undraftable. Shout out Connor Cook. Gathering restrictions have meant no QBs in the 2021 cycle had any teammates attend their birthday party and as such have gone undrafted. As an underclassman, Trevor Lawrence got an undraftable grade because no one showed up to his birthday party from the advisory <clears throat> board. In a panic, Trevor Lawrence is begging you to provide a full plan for his 2021 birthday party to ensure as many teammates attend as possible. All right, so most important thing we got to find out, when is Trevor Lawrence's birthday? What's available to us? It is October 6th. Wow, okay. you did some research with this. We just gotta go, we're going, are we going to a water park in, in December? No, it's Buddy? great. No, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, watch your mouth. All right, so October 6th, 2021. Uh, we're looking at fall weather, and God willing, we're looking at like being able to have a full so- social calendar and, and be healthy and whatnot. So for me, this is like ideal bar hopping weather because okay. you're yeah. going to go outside yeah. and it's still going to be comfortable, but it's going to be like nice walking weather. It's not going to be too hot. So I think we're at a major city, a decently sized city. Bar crawling is what we're opening with. I'll, obviously, he's Trevor Lawrence. And so he's going to go to a bar and be like, oh, my gosh, that's Trevor Lawrence. And that's fun for a bit. And then that gets tiring. And so then you want to do something that's a little bit more private and a little more chill and a little bit more hangout. So I think we... Then, because he is Trevor Lawrence, we can go. We go to Clemson University and we take over the stadium, okay? Because we're allowed to. This is Trevor Lawrence, of course. Yeah, so we yes. like wide open stadium, right? And we do, uh, like a dinner, like on the field. There's like a table set up, right? And it's like cool mm-hmm. and it's like catered and it's it's not like fancy, but it's like you're gonna eat in the middle of the field because I imagine a bunch of his te- we, we want to get his teammates there, right? Right. They're gonna have fun eating a meal right in the middle field or uh, midfield of the 50 yard line of Clemson. So we're going to do a big dinner there. And I don't know if we're doing gifts. Like it feels like that. You don't want to do that for a 22 year old, but whatever we we'll do that for gifts. And that'll be a good time. Uh, and then I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I want to finish it. If we just want to go like, all right, like, you know, we did bar hopping. That was fun. We go to dinner. Okay. Everybody have a good night. Or if we want to, I want to play. La- I'm, I'm lame. I want to play laser tag in Clemson stadium. I have. I, Can I, you imagine <laughs> playing laser tag in the bowels of a stadium? <laughs> Tell me you have laser tag right now. Uh, I have laser tag, go karting, and free pizza as the the like the three things that <laughs> that this as a, is what as I'm a kid about, this man. is what, like as a kid these were the three things that like guaranteed I'm going to your birthday party. But I figured that probably wouldn't happen for Trevor Lawrence. Although right. now that you're saying it out so, loud, as, 
Think so about yeah, this. This is a future multi-billionaire. And he's like, you know, insanely impressive. And I don't think he would like to laser tag as much as <laughs> I would like to laser tag. But I want to laser tag. All right. So hold on now. Wait, wait, wait. So one of the points that I wanted to make was like when you're thinking about, especially if you're like a young adult, the thing about somebody's birthday party is it has to be something that in order to go to it, it's free. Like you can't tell people that it's not going to be free wherever you're going to because like if you if you put a price tag on it, even though like you want to be there for somebody's birthday, it's not going to be like, oh, like everybody like has to put in money to like go to like if you want to if you want to voluntarily chip in money to like, hey, we're going to rent out this place for Trevor Lawrence for his birthday. I'd be like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. But instead, if you came to me and you were like, hey, come to Trevor Lawrence's birthday party it's $60, it'd be like, no. Like I'm not like I'm uh, birthday party for sixty dollars. What are you talking about? Well, okay, this is this is like it, it, shut up. So it's got to be some. It's got to be something that's probably free. It's got to be like minimal effort to show up to. So I thought about like, have you ever been to Top Golf? No. Okay, so and I like, feel like yeah, Top Golf would be disastrous. Okay, so like if you rent the entire like floor of Top Golf, and if you rent like the entire third floor of a Top Golf, you get like I don't know like twenty bays for people to play Top Golf. But there's also like a bar that's up there, and they serve all kinds of food. And I feel like I feel like you get a crap ton of people to show up to that one. And so if you want to like most people, most teammates, I feel like you go to that because Top Golf is right. also a place that you go to and you go, hey, let me post an Instagram photo and show people that I'm at Trevor Lawrence's birthday party at Top Golf. Look at me, I'm swinging a golf club. The ball's going really far. Ha ha! Look at Whoa. these drinks. Like that's just a very like social shareable thing. So that's I feel like people one. would that's go to one. it. Like but now that, that you said the stadium thing, come on. Listen, hold on. Follow me here. Okay. Trevor Lawrence about to be a very wealthy young man, correct? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What if he pre-hires a cleaning crew and tells his teammates? We're playing paintball in the stadium. Right. In the Come stadium. On. Like throughout the whole stadium, they're playing That's paintball. What, it's because the field is like whatever. It's the bowels of the stadium. Yeah. Right. That's what I get. Walking over a popcorn cart and going up the stairs. Trevor, call us. We will we will plan yeah. a, an incredible birthday party for you. We got this. We will you. save you from the embarrassment and from the low draft stock. We will. Yeah. I'm not having anybody come to your birthday party. Shout out draft day. There you go, everybody. Fan Friday in the books. We got to as many questions as we could. We went a little over an hour. That's why I said roughly. I gave myself a little bit of a uh, leeway here. So we're all still good. It's good to go. I didn't, I didn't lie to you guys about it. We got some awesome playoff games coming up this weekend. We have four fantastic matchups. And, of course, Ben and I are going to be here to recap all of that, as well as the draft angles for a lot of the teams that will be ushered into draft season officially by the time next Monday rolls around. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here. Unlocked on NFL Draft.